Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Are you telling me you built a time machine? What about the warrior? The Statue of Liberty is kaput. Disconcerting. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Welcome to the Cine Siblings Draft, the podcast where me and my brother, James, draft our favorite top fives within film. I'm... Ah. Oh, is that the Monty Python reference? Yeah, it is. All right. Actually, I'm Ian. <laughs> and I'm James. And Jamie, what are we drafting today? Every man dies. Not every man really lives. And it's that first part of the line uttered by Mel Gibson's William Wallace that we're addressing today as we draft iconic deaths in film. It's the second part of the line that will help us determine how much sorrow, face satisfaction, or even hope that death can inspire. For sure. Um, yeah, this iconic. And I, I want to I wanna be specific with iconic here is because i mean it is still sort of subjective right iconic like what makes it iconic but to some extent just yeah to some extent it, it wasn't um but it's gonna be a fun one i think yeah i do want to you know kind of dive in on what makes that iconic and why we chose it so well yeah and i think like so death is like really one of those things that makes even like the most hard-nosed rationalists start thinking about what lies beyond. Right. And uh, it's really like, it's why these scenes are so powerful in general or, or can't or had the potential to be, let's say. And they're really often that pivotal moment in a film that can inspire the characters to move forward with confronting the big bad evil guy or maybe fall into villainy themselves or even could be the end of their journey, uh, whether it's the death of their adversary or laying down their own life. True. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I don't think I don't think I have any bad guy deaths. I'm just looking at my list. I'm like most of mine are pretty uh, inspiring ish. Anyway, spoilers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really I mean, it's part of the, the archetypal nature of, you know, death in general. We like to see that there being positives out of it and i guess and again i guess you can make an argument that there's some positives out of a bad guy dying but um the problem i guess is is that there's because everybody dies there's a lot of things to choose from so i expect today that we are either going to check each other like till till kingdom come or we're just going to leave a whole lot on the table or probably yeah. a little bit of both I wrote down 21, but I have a 1A and a 1B. So really it's 22. So <laughs> so if I get jacked, I'll have, I have a, a backup number one just in case. Um, but I just realized I don't have my deck of actors here with me. So we can just, uh, we're going to do a little spin on the game. Spin on the game. What's the spin? I do. So we are going to not just do movies from a particular actor. We're going to do movies from a cat, like, you know, maybe a category, kind of like the game actually is supposed to be played categories. It's going to be hmm. movies with a giant monster. Oh, okay, cool. I get to go first. Sure. <laughs> Godzilla. King Kong. Cloverfield. 
Um, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Uh, Monsters. What's that? It's an independent alien film. Mm, mm, mm. Troll. Is it Troll or Trolls? Trolls is the one with the... Oh, I was thinking the one I with the Norwegian... Feeling. Okay, fine. Um, Kong Skull Island. Um, wait, uh, Pacific Rim. The Meg. Ooh, uh, does Jaws count? Um, it's a big old shark. All right, uh, uh, for the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, what is it? Dead Man's Chest. On Stranger Tides, one of them. It's the Kraken. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, oh man, this is like a genre I really like too. Kaiju. Yeah, I know, but like I don't know. Uh, it, um, I mean, I could do a bunch of Godzilla films, but I think that's cheating. You know, there's Godzilla versus Monster Zero. You know, like I don't think I think it's I think I'm gonna bow out. I just gave you one too. What? Release the Kraken. That's a, oh, you know, I should have done 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Or ti- Clash of the Titans, whatever. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, well. I whatever. win. All right. So what am I... Uh, you ready to get into it? You got anything else to, to preface our draft with? No, I think I said everything I need to say. Say what you need to say. Round one. I think I'm jacking you with my first pick. I, I think I'm going to. My number one movie death. Iconic movie death of all time. Are you ready? Yeah. It's... You're, no, don't, don't do it. Is? Don't. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even get it out without laughing. <laughs> no, I'm going to steal it from you. <laughs> I can't say it. Then uh, don't, don't just leave it. To... <laughs> his name is Boromir, son of Denethor. Jicked. I hate you right now. <laughs> Boromir, Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, I mean, it's just iconic in the sense that it it really it changes the landscape of what is to come if he doesn't do what he does then i think all four hobbits are going to be captured here and it just changed it changes the entire flow of the story it's this kind of heroic sacrifice that i mean uh like i said it changes the entire story of the lord of the rings um if he doesn't take uh as tolkien puts it in the book many arrows uh so he's like I said, the hobbits are taken for by the orcs. And I mean they'll they'll probably get you know get away as we see things play out in two towers as the Rohirrim come in, but that's neither here or there. I mean, he goes out like a true warrior, a true captain of Gondor, and uh, uh you know, as he is laying on his deathbed, he uh refers to Aragorn as his king, his captain. So is this one of those icon, one of those just iconic moments in the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, and it just happens to be a death, I think. I mean, it's it's one of 
<laughs> it's Sean Bean's best, the best death scene. Uh, and and it, he's, yeah. he's got a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, really, though, in a world of hobbits, elves, dwarves, and Numenorean men who live well into their 200s, and this is the Fellowship of the Ring, Boromir is us. Boromir represents what humans are. Uh, the greatness we can be, the evil we can commit, and the redemption we find in repentance and the restitution that, in that repentance inspires. Boromir's death being preceded by this, um, this fall where he falls into this temptation to take the one ring. Um, but he's, he's seen the error. He sees what he does. He repents and he tries to, to fix his error yeah. and um you know and, and it's really he he's laying down his life for his friends he knows he's going to die uh you know and and i'm reminded uh by the scripture you know greater love has no one than this that a man laid down his life for his friends that's what's happening here and so we see that and it's it's not just that he pledges his allegiance to aragorn who is his rightful king but he also confesses what he did mm -hmm. and he doesn't have to, no one knows, but Frodo, right. but he can, he really truly feels horrible for what he's done and what he's, he's let himself become. And, you know, it's, it's really a, a touching end. It's as manly as it gets. Um, there's fighting evil, Repentance, confession, restitution, pledges of loyalty, tears of sorrow, forgiveness. I mean, it's pure manly heroism. So I, I think that this is, is just one of those things that uh, definitely iconic, definitely inspires a lot of um, a lot of people. Because honestly, he's one of the, the most relatable characters in the fellowship. Right. Other than the hobbits. The hobbits are designed to be somewhat relatable, but Boromir is like actually a regular human being. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent with all that. Was that your number one? No, no. That was my number two. Oh, Ooh. Hmm. I, I went more iconic than you for number one. Okay. Because number one is the quintessential icon, the logos. Jesus of Nazareth, son of God in the passion of the Christ. Whoa. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. The whole movie is based around this death, which changes all of human history or depending on your theological view, creation itself. It just doesn't get more iconic than this. It's um, there's been other movie depictions of it. Um, this is the most recent, probably the the most grandiose film depiction of the crucifixion of Christ. Visceral. Yeah. But right. definitely in every sense of the word visceral. Yeah. It is literally the death to end all deaths. Um, and I don't need to get into the, to the theology. Maybe, you know, that would be a, a different sort of podcast, but it's, it's just one of those things that it means it's the central part of a lot of people's faith. It, archetypal in the sense that it affects our culture and our depictions of movies. like your choice with Boromir like there's a lot of Christian elements in that and the self-sacrifice 
that we see and that we are going to see, I'm sure, in a lot of these uh, deaths that we pick, they are Christ-like figures, you know, in in a sense. Um, And, you know, there is the, this is, of course, one of those cases where the book was far superior to the movie, (laughs) (laughs) but it, uh, you know, and everybody go read it. I remember mom making that joke to us. <laughs> We're going, was it you? And you go, there's a book. <laughs> but you were little. You got me. <laughs> I wasn't little. I was in middle school. Okay. That's still pretty little, dude. I know, but it's like, I don't, I mean, the joke, it was a, she made a joke and it right. flew over my head. Okay. Right. Like, so anyway, beat Jesus. Good luck. <laughs> Round two. Well, round two. All right, uh, Jamie, you're up again. Beat Jesus. Oh. <laughs> you took uh, you took my number two pick with Boromir. Um, so you'll probably take my number two pick here with William Wallace and Braveheart. Yep, you got him. That's my number two, Jack. <laughs> Jinx. All right. So we covered this one at length in one of our first podcasts, uh, our deep dive into to Braveheart, which was a two-parter. Um, but for me, this is the, uh, this is really the culmination of an epic film uh, that's centered around the adult life of a national war hero, Scotland's national war hero, which is, you know, important to us. Um, of course, as we talked about heavily fictionalized, but in this case, it makes it a lot better. Um, that it's more fictionalized. Uh, the gruesome torture and execution of William Wallace is toned down. Yeah. Uh, but the Christ-like unjust execution motifs, they're, they're really played up. You know, there's even a cross he's splayed out on. Um, and when they rack him, he's, you know, he's strung up in this, you know, crucifix-like uh, sort of thing. So, and again, this is a Mel Gibson movie. So surprise, surprise, um, we've got two, I, I guess I got two back to back. Mel Gibson deaths. He, he really goes for it. Right. And, and you know, this is Gibson's depiction of Wallace here. I think the acting and cinematography, but he is so spot on. Um, I think he evokes all the right emotions. He cuts to his enemies who like appear to be winning, but they're not. Um, and that, that's just another added. I could do a whole podcast talking about uh, the, the parallels between how Gibson portrays William Wallace and, and uh, you know, biblical motifs. Like that's you, that's just a whole thing that he's obviously doing. Yeah. Um, but like his, his enemies, they appear to be winning, but they're not. Um, but it's cutting to his enemies. It's cutting to the crowd. It's cutting to his friends and his lover and uh, the princess. But finally gets that supernatural vision of his long dead soulmate, Murren. And it's, it really balances the gruesome and the beautiful. And it really ties it in with that, the central theme of the film when he's crying freedom, that freedom is worth dying for. And, you know, he's had to finally put, you know, put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and have to put, lay down his life for freedom yep so i mean he never wavers from his beliefs you know he in the scene prior um 
the princess is trying to get him to take something to soften the soften the pain mm-hmm. he, to make him uh you know live out his days in a tower you know if he would just confess or whatever and uh he doesn't waver from his belief you know that would defeat his 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 fight right that would defeat everything he fought for and uh even in the face of being tortured, hanged, drawn, quartered, um, he he doesn't ever waver. And uh, I guess it's so iconic because it's heroic and inspiring. Yeah. So uh, that's a good t- number two. It was my number two as well. And I mean kind of hurts not having it on my list not gonna lie but it would have hurt not having boromir on my list not gonna lie because i'm with you do you remember the lord of the rings action figures i had when those movies came out yeah i had had like the the alerts who could like fire these the arrows and boromir Mm -hmm. yeah it was a cool little battle set but anyway so anyway for my number two Mm-hmm. is going to be our first dive into superhero dumb. Uh-oh. Am I jacking you? No, I don't think I'm jacking you. Okay. It's, his name is Logan from oh, Wolver- okay, no. Wolverine from the movie Logan. Uh, and this is... Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I didn't jack you here. No. I could have easily just like went and jacked you on purpose and then taken Logan later because <laughs> I know you weren't going to do it. <laughs> but I was I was nice. Wait, no. I get back-to-back picks. Oh, God. Hate <laughs> drafting. Are we really hate drafting? No, it's not hate drafting. <laughs> I mean, okay, so let's get into Logan. I mean, this is the guy who heals, right? How can he die? Well, his apparently in the movie, they he's adamantium, adamantium skeleton has been slowly poisoning, poisoning him. Hmm. I can't talk. Well, I mean, in the end, this super emotionally charged uh, character, I mean, his ending is really emotional with X-23, you know, uh, actually doing the killing of the bad guy here with the adamantium bullet. Um, But I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. But I mean, we spent so much time with this character. much you know even longer than another one that's probably going to get taken uh, on this um but it's what since the year 2000 is when the original x-men came out and sounds right 2000 2001 something like that Mm -hmm. um so we've spent a lot of time with this character mixed bag of course but he's always been on point the movies may have been kind of trash but hugh jackman has always been on point as wolverine he is as iconic as comic book characters come Wolverine and Hugh Jackman's portrayal, even if he's a little too tall for the role. Um, Not Canadian but, enough, but yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. So um, just it, it packs a huge punch when he actually is uh, finally dies and it takes a lot to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he eventually he stops healing and he succumbs to his injuries done by the clone of himself, X-24. Um, 
and then of course at the end after he's buried uh laura x23 she takes the cross and she takes it out and she turns it sideways and it makes the x for x-men so mm-hmm. i've always lo- i love that too but it was a good little moment post posthumous or whatever you want to say I'm with it yeah I'm i like that one yeah that's i mean i agree i think that it's a it's one of those deaths that has more impact because it's a character that people particularly as you're describing it people love this character there it's iconic over our multiple movies over a very long period of time the only things that are really comparable are uh, like before this are really like long running tv show deaths um and because you who shot jr well yeah that that sort of thing (laughs) but that was more of a mystery I, i guess i mean it was a little bit surprising but the thing is is like it's that sort of like you get this long build up with the character you you it's much more personal because these you know hugh jackman as wolverine is like that's one reason why why the x-men in the mcu is going to be a little bit challenging to cast wolverine uh recast wolverine which they're probably going to have to do yeah um, because you know people have identified that character with hugh jackman for 20 years so i mean that's a that's a long time yeah but definitely, wow. that's definitely a good one to have on your list for sure. Yeah. All Are right. you retiring Logan now, though? No. <laughs> Never. Never. Okay. But you made me retire Gremlins. Okay. I'm j- what? <laughs> you took the movie twice. Okay. I'm just taking the death. Of All right, Logan. Anyway. Okay. Fair enough. Number three. Let's head into round three, and so I can jack you again. Round three. Are you serious? Well, maybe you should have won. <laughs> okay. Uh, man. Okay. So we're in round three, right? Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had trouble with ranking some of these. Like I said, I made a list of twenty-two deaths that I was that absolutely affected me, and that I saw as iconic. And now I'm having a crisis. Like, maybe I should let you have one. Um, JK. It's Iron Man, Tony Stark from Avengers Endgame. I, I concede. I quit. <laughs> you suck so much right now. This uh, is a total hate draft. No, it's not. I love this moment. Go to hell. <laughs> oh, boo freaking who <laughs> okay this is a death of epic proportions i mean 10 years worth of storytelling and most of it good especially on the iron man side uh minus that second movie which is not good oh you you bitched about second movie and the third movie the third movie is okay okay the second one is dog trash no it's not anyway so 10 years worth of storytelling culminating with one final act of heroic sacrifice, much like your number one pick. Um, it's He saw what he had to do uh, and he saw what snapping with the Infinity Stones did to someone like the Hulk. He 
absolutely knew it was going to happen if he did it. And he, he looking at Doctor Strange, who gives him that one and whatever, how many million. Um, so, yeah, this this is a huge blow to any comic book movie fan who or MCU nerd or Iron Man junkies, like all the kids who love Iron Man now. That's a huge blow. Um, that is definitely going to leave us reeling for years. Uh, and that's why it's iconic. Like, I can't. You'll you'll if you're a comic book movie fan, comic book fan, Iron Man fan, you're not going to be okay with Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man not being in the MCU anymore. And that's uh, and it it happened in such a awesome fashion that it it just it just has to be on an iconic movie deaths list. I mean, mm-hmm. you you can't get mad at me for taking that. Oh, I'm plenty mad at you for taking that <laughs> why i took two before it like i don't care you you already jacked me twice so i got you once we'll see what I'd, i'll see i may have to switch it up to jackie again all right well but go do your right. spiel on iron man well yeah i guess i get to still say my piece so um I mean, it really does. It comes down to something that's been built up and teased from the first Avengers film. So Cap's challenge, you know, where Cap challenges him that he won't put his life on the line to save others. Um, And, you know, we see that play. We get the satisfying moment where he, you know, self-guides the nuke to blow up the Shatari spaceship. And so we, and we see something similar with, him obliterating part of Sokovia in Age of Ultron and again Infinity War in 40 he... where he faces off against Thanos and he's only spared by the deal Doctor Strange strikes and his time is up in Endgame but he goes out on his own terms he basically nukes himself to dust Thanos and the entire and his entire army but it's not just that that's not what makes it so emotionally powerful it helps that we've seen these brushes with death this is daughter Morgan and that's introduced at the opening of Endgame, and that it's, it's really, it's Morgan that makes five years later so much of a big deal to us because we, we can't just undo what Thanos did and rewind five years. Um, and this is, this is what leads to Tony Stark's death is his love for his daughter. And it makes it doubly devastating to watch him die. Um, I mean, as a dad to young children, one of the biggest reasons I have for living is to make sure that they are, you know, that I, I help them into adulthood. That's my job. So Tony's self-sacrifice is just so multifaceted and it's got so many lead ups and so many of these brushes with death that, you know, like it's like these uh, pro wrestling false finishes where they have these almost pin sort of things. Like he almost dies so many times and we're just like, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. This is a feel good sort of franchise. And he goes out with, I am Iron Man, which is basically how he came into it. And even with Logan, 
you know, where he's had these, this long buildup in cinema. I mean, this is even, I think Tony Stark's death here is more powerful uh, because of, of there's, it feels more singularly led up to uh, because of all the brushes with death, the PTSD he's, he's suffered and, you know, really coming to, to coming to grips with his failures and as well as his victories. And um, I think, I think that, that, you know, where, where it's like Pepper at the end is just like, you know, it's like, you can let go. We've got this. Like he, you don't have to, you saved the universe. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to save it as us anymore, you know? And so that's, that, that's really one of the best build up singular events that has just so many things built up to it you couldn't do it any other way i don't think and that, uh, you were talking about pepper uh you know gwyneth paltrow i think her reaction is so well done it's so reserved and 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 touching it's not like this big blow up where like oh my god oh my god and it could have easily been that you know like mm-hmm. but she is she, she just kind of you know like you said we got we will be okay you know yeah, I mean, and, and considering the implications of everything that, that all these people have dealt with, that's a much a real, that's a half the universe died and she's dealt with that for five years. I think she's learned to, to handle these kinds of things. I think people would be a bit, in a bit of a different, you know, sort of state of mind. So I wouldn't expect people to react emotionally the same way, but you see it in Peter Parker, Yeah, you know, because he's, He's not, he got dusted. Yeah. He, he, you know, he's, he's, he's just been blipped back. So, you know, it's like, he's not got the same emotional, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say security cause it's not it just you know, the, the PTSD, I guess that everybody's suffered from, from living in post snap five years. So definitely. Mm. I kind of just want to give it to you now and just like, you can have it. We nope. talked about it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> you, you deserve it. No. Nope. All right. All well, right. Well, it's your number three. Jeez. I'm already on my five and I didn't write a lot of notes for anything else. So, uh, that's, so that's one reason I was a little upset about getting jacked so much. So I think I'm probably going to be jacking you, but I don't know for sure. I'm going to, I'm betting based on your geekdom that I am. Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. Nope. Nope. Not even on your short list. Wasn't even in my 22, man. Are you serious? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. It's good. I, I, I mean, I, it probably should be, but I, I kept thinking about it. And I was like, it's just so like, yeah, it's lost a lot of ump for me over the years. Yeah. A lot in part to the prequel trilogy and my distaste for how Anakin was written particularly his descent to become the dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader. No, I just, I feel like I'm undermining my whole point here. Um, but it's also, it's a lot of times I just pretend like the, the original trilogy is the only <laughs> bit of star Wars that exists as Canon and everything else is fanfic. So um, if George but, Lucas is a fan, then sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, I'm with it, but whatever. He sucks at writing dialogue. Anyway, 
it's, no argument here. It's got the big reveal of first seeing Vader's face and the redemption of him becoming Anakin Skywalker again, and having overthrown the Emperor. It meets the definition of iconic, and this is really why I picked it because it's it's so integral to Luke Skywalker's hero's journey in the archetypal reconciliation with the father. And it's not really, I don't feel like it, the scene is overwrought um, it, in part because it's, it's like happening on the second Death Star as it's being evacuated. And so it's like this moment that doesn't really, it's not really messing with the pacing because everything behind it, you know, the people are running and, um, stuff's falling down as you know the the attack is going on but i do think it's undermined a little bit by seeing the force ghosts of anakin along with obi-wan and yoda during the celebration on endor yeah but, that's, that's one of the things that it hurts it, it's like i was thinking about obi-wan kenobi from mm. a new hope and i'm like but it's like he's not really dead right he, he's he struck him down and now he's more po- powerful than you could possibly imagine. Like, right. And the same thing with Yoda. And I was like, Oh, when Yoda dies, it's kind of like sad, but then you see, I mean, he comes back as a force ghost multiple right. times. Yeah. And, 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 you know, given, even given those things, I don't think that being iconic means that it's perfect or it's the best acted. Um, otherwise we'll just find more Mel Gibson, film deaths like if you want a really good dramatic death every time you can do that um but i think this is one that uh that certainly qualifies as iconic even though it's definitely as i pointed out has a lot of problems with it and the more i watch return of the jedi the more i kind of go i don't like this film as much as i used to as a kid you know but at least it makes looking up at the poster yeah, it at least though it makes sense with its predecessors, but yeah, sure. Yeah, unlike I a mean, lot of other Star Wars films, literally one. One doesn't no. make sense with the rest of them. I don't know. Phantom Menace doesn't make sense. I don't think Revenge of the Sith makes a lot of. It's not good. The clone, the Attack of the Clones. It. It's they like, all make sense. They make whether sense. You, it's just whether not, you don't like them or not. We're not getting into this. That's going to be our sibling rivalry. But we're not doing the prequels. We're doing the sequels. We'll do the prequels eventually. But the prequels make sense. They just have bad dialogue and bad acting. And Like I said, I'm not getting into this with you right now. (laughs) It's your number four pick. Okay. Well, so let's head into round four. Round four. Round four. All right, round four. Fine. I am going to go with Mufasa in The Lion King. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, So this is, we talked about this uh, at some length on our Disney animated film draft. And this is is one of those scenes where it was a lot of children's first um, interaction with death in film um it's this and bambi right well yeah but bambi doesn't get as much replay like mufasa i mean the lion king you know came out like so that came out when a lot of millennials were you know 
growing up and it was super popular and still is. And like, we've, I watched the Lion King in multiple languages in, you know, Spanish class and French class and things like that. Um, whereas never had that treatment with Bambi. Um, also Bambi, I believe it's off screen and, and just heavily implied, uh, with the death. What about Fox and the Hound? It's still sanitized more than than this one. I uh, yeah, I know. And it, th- this one, I mean, this that's how the movie ends, right? Fox and the Hound. Yeah, I believe so. We just left to sit with our freaking emotions with that right. one. This one, we get a whole movie ahead yeah. of us, so we, we we get to sit with this one too. Yeah, but yeah, this. I mean, this is one of those films. It's it's iconic. I mean, it's certainly iconic. It means a lot to a lot of people. It's, uh, it's a lot of, it's, it's a big deal in part because it's a children's movie or, or a family movie, if you would prefer that. Um, and it, it, it opens up a lot of avenues. It plays on a lot of fears of children and parents, you know, like I talked about with, um, you know, Iron Man. Uh, it's this, thing of like okay well what happens if i leave my if i die and leave my kid and oh great there's there's you know there's proverbial or or you know analogous to the wild hyenas roaming the the land and evil people you know it's just this this horrible thing you don't want to leave your child in this you know dark world where you can't protect them and so that's Mufasa's death I think it relates to both children and parents in different ways so it's one of those things that, like watching Home Alone for me like where I start identify I start watching the film identify with the child when I grow up I identify with the adult and it's like watching a whole new film in some ways so yeah that was your number four yeah so yeah I mean like you said this is a lot of millennials first experience with having to cope with death um, in a movie, right. As their first um, and they really let us sit with it. And um, Jeremy Irons, a scar really just builds that moment up too. And mm-hmm. of course, James Earl Jones as Mufasa, um, you know, this, that whole moment is, uh, like a punch in the gut even as mm-hmm. a kid it's mm-hmm. like your first it's like your first experience with like the feels right like mm-hmm. i'm watching this and i get punched and i'm like mom like there's something wrong like <laughs> there's something wrong in my tummy right. like i'm like i don't know what this feeling is but i don't like it and then you're like you're left to stew the rest of the movie like simba is you know like you're, you're in that in that mm-hmm. boat with him um, and then of course we get the, you know, the reflection, the, in the, the constellation, you know, that scene where he sees he's, you know, that Rafiki or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the, that's also that archetypal thing that we see with Darth Vader with like the atonement with the father. Mm-hmm. It's a different case because Mufasa is the archetype of the noble king where you know you've got darth vader being the tyrant king too so like you have what's one reason i i love 
both Lion King and the original Star Wars trilogy is because it follows this Joseph Campbell and Campbellite, whatever, I don't know, uh, hero's journey thing. And it follows it really well. And it's, so it's useful to, you know, when I'm like trying to point out some of these archetypes in my class, like it's, it's, I like it. And I think that's one reason that they work so well. So it's a good one. Yeah. It's the only animated one uh, we've taken so far. So far. So far. So I'm on, am I a five or you? No, no, you got to go. I need to take my four. Okay. I'm going to be a little controversial, I guess. I am going with my fourth round pick. I'm going in with Superman and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Okay. Say what you will about the movie, about the film. Uh, it wasn't it. as bad as I thought. It was but this, again, is a, a selfless act of sacrifice. Um, and this thing, this uh, what doomsday is literally unkillable. And the only person to get the job done is Superman. Even wonder, I guess Wonder Woman probably could have done it, but uh, this is a moment for him. He saves humanity, who's largely rejected his presence on Earth, um, much like someone else we know. Uh, and his line before he does it all, he looks at the love of his life, Lois Lane, and he says, I love you. Uh, and she pleads with him to don't do it. You know, like you don't have to do this. And uh, he said, this is my world. You are my world. And then that Hans Zimmer score starts to pick up. And I'm like, uh. as in, uh, yeah. So this is like definitely a different take on Superman. Uh, one that has to really struggle with what it means to be a human uh, in a place that rejects him as who he really is this super being this god and that's kind of how dc's planted its heroes right these gods struggling to be humans uh if you juxtapose that with marvel it's these humans who have to struggle with becoming these super being you know anyway but this whole moment that before his death and is, is something that happens in man of steel is uh you know his dad played by Kevin Costner is like telling him like somewhere else you have another father and he sent you here for a reason. And even if the takes you the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. And this is that moment for Clark Kent. Like he's like, this is it. This is the reason I'm here is to save the world. And uh, this, it changes the world in this, you know, in this universe and this trilogy, it changes the world. And it, uh, it's very, much a mirror image of Christ's sacrifice. And I think that's why it packs such a good punch for me. And combined with the fact that I love the death of Superman storyline from the comics when I was younger, um, it, it just was very well done in my opinion. And yeah, some people are like, Oh, it was unearned. You only did it in the second movie. I'm like, not everybody has 800 movies like Marvel or X-Men. Like, let's just, like, this is the story you wanted to tell. Birth, death, resurrection. Like, yes, we know he's coming back, but that's what makes it so beautiful, right? Like, Jesus's death doesn't mean anything without the resurrection. So... That's what the Apostle Paul says, yeah. Right. So it's like, that's what makes this so beautiful is that then that moment at the end when we see the little dust, the dirt on the coffin start to levitate a little bit. You're like, hope. You know, that's what mm-hmm. Superman represents. That's what the symbol on his chest means. And uh, there's actually a 
and of course this is going to have cha- huge repercussions if the trailer for the new justice league thing you know the Zack snyder's justice league it's going to have bigger repercussions in this film than it did in the previous uh joss whedon version so it's the iteration um, that does not exist right i mean <laughs> if you've seen the trailer his his yell as he's been stabbed sends a shock wave across the world and it kind of i think it wakes up the mother boxes anyway i don't know that's speculation but it, the, it does send a shock wave and there's this really awesome moment as he dies like after he's dead uh lois lane runs up and she's like oh like she's you could feel her you know like you see she's I mean, Amy Adams is one of the best actresses alive. So she's like, you see her visibly like, oh no, you know? Mm -hmm. And Wonder Woman sees her and she looks back at her and you're like, they have this eye connection. You're like, and now in retrospect, knowing stuff like seeing Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, you're like, this moment is so good because there's this moment where they look at each other and She's like, I feel your pain. I understand what this means for you. I understand what it means to lose the love of your life mm-hmm. in a moment like this, in a moment of sacrifice, which is what Steve Trevor does in Wonder Woman. So it's like, there's just things that build on top of each other as this whole thing goes. And then the rest of the movie is dealing with like how to honor Superman. Like this guy who has been rejected, how do we honor him? And uh, of course they just give him a soldier's death, but... Mm-hmm. an empty coffin then right I, I think you made a lot of good points there so i'm not going to add a lot but one of them i mean this is also kind of reminiscent of the uh king arthur yes uh, arthurian legends you know the once and future kings sort of thing going on there too which has also got a lot of christ-like imagery um of course we don't actually have the return of king arthur but there's still um you know the legend remains of that uh you know, he, he will return to rule England when it's, you know, when it comes and it's necessary or Britain or whatever, you know, King of the Britons. Right. So, but it's a little like you, you were saying it's Arthurian in a lot of ways that, yeah. And a lot of the film is very Arthurian uh, Excalibur, the movie Excalibur in, in particular, but it's a little flip-flopped when the, they stab each other, Doomsday and Superman, like Superman grabs onto Doomsday and pulls himself into it. And right. Just, well, and, and which is how Mordred and uh, Arthur do their thing. Right. And, and Mort Arthur, which is uh, Sir Thomas Mallory, which, yeah, that's it's it's that same sort of thing. You've got a lot of those tropes playing out. And so I kind of wonder if the the you got to be careful when you're, when you're doing some of these, like Gibson's stuff can be kind of overt sometimes. Um, like, so, so it's like hiding your sources, H- hide your sources in fiction, list your sources in nonfiction. <laughs> you know, that's like, your, that's the thing you're going with here. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think what they were trying to do in, in there is, is good. I don't know that the execution, some of it has to do, I think with my dislike for Superman. I just don't like him. Um, like, How can you not like the guy? Because he's, he, it's like, he, you don't 
I think we have a, a an inclination as people to not like perfection or to be maybe it's it's a we're either suspicious of perfection we fear it um and i mean even jealous of it to some extent so like i i really liked your uh, you when you loaned me the comics of uh oh, what was it when when superman injustice in injustice yeah when superman basically becomes a dictator and it's like for the greater good but it's like no see this i buy it because i'm like this is what would happen all it would not. take all yeah. it would take is for something bad enough to happen to superman for him to be the worst possible person because but and, and for so long his character has been and i know it's like an alternate reality or whatever but like for so long his character has been unimpeachable uh as far as as honor and doing the right thing is concerned so it's it's just a little bit but I, I like the opening of, of Batman v Superman where you're you're like, no, look, look at everything that he's he's right. all this chaos and carnage that he was just kind of oblivious of. So I think do a the, the job is not bad. It's certainly the best bit of Superman um, other than injustice. Uh, in the comics that I've seen, so I'll give it that credit. Not even real Superman. <laughs> Injustice. Oh yeah, no. Well, see, I, I, the my problem is, is my, but within the context of Man of Steel, um, Batman v Superman, and then you know, as we see, as we'll come to see in Zack Snyder's Justice League, but I think that in the context of this, his trilogy, especially the first two movies, um, the Superman is imperfect, and mm-hmm. he struggles a lot with what. What is the right thing to do? Should he act? Um, and why should he act? And it, 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 this film, BBS, Batman v Superman, is a lot, has a lot of the same uh, themes as Captain America Civil War. And the fact is, like, you know, should we act? Why should we act? You know, like, uh, should yeah. we act unilaterally? Um, mm-hmm. and, and who should have, who should have, uh, oversight over these super beings so in that sense you know who should have oversight over superman i mean he's literally the most powerful being in the in the universe in the world mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say universe because right things like dark side do exist but um he's literally the most powerful being in the world in the world how is he supposed to cope with that because mm-hmm. he was raised as a boy, like, you know, to hide his powers and all this other stuff. Um, so, but this is just a little preview of what we have to come. Yeah. And our, our new, our new podcast series. We'll talk about it at the end of the podcast though. So. All right. So that is my round four pick. And as long winded as it was, you'd think it was my number one pick. I just very passionate about my Superman. <laughs> So it's your, right. your your turn for round five. Is that did we do that right? No, you get round five. I get round five. <laughs> round five. All right. I don't think I'm stealing you here. I don't think I'm jacking you again. 
I don't have anything. Everything else was just <laughs> everything is tier. jacked. Everything right. is just was my second tier. All right. Well, this is in my second tier, but it's my shock value pick. What is that? IPA factor. All right. Double dank. Double act. All that's, right. That's Sun River Brewing. That's from my vacation. All right. All right. So this is my shock value pick. My, my, uh, my, what's it called? Um, my second your, tier is breaking your, into my shock value pick. Your dark but, horse. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So this one is uh, probably the most shocking death in, I think, film history. It's okay. Completely out of the blue. Um, and it's, let's see if this name means anything to you. His name's Billy Costigan Jr. Played by Leonardo DiCaprio in The Departed. Oh, no. Okay. Like I said, it's super shocking. It doesn't uh, pack a huge emotional punch aside from the fact that we've spent most of the movie with him. Um, and we feel really bad for the way he goes. But he's just chilling in an elevator with Matt Damon. And uh, he just arrests Matt Damon. Do you remember this movie? I watched it in college on a little, little, little TV. Anyway, in my, in my girlfriend's apartment. So, I mean, this moment is insane. Like, but the icon, I think the iconic, iconicness, iconicness, iconicity. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's iconicness, iconography. I don't know. It's, it's all about its shock value. And it's just like, it's, we have a huge tense moment with these two on the rooftop, Matt Damon and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Um, Leo finally, or Billy finally arrests the, Matt Damon's character and they're getting in the elevator to go down and they're just kind of like silent and we're coming down from a very tense moment. Elevator opens, Leo's brains go against the wall. I'm like, what? They just killed the main character like that? Like we thought he won. He's been undercover, had to deal with all this stuff. And then you're just like, blah. I guess we should have done a spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode. But I guess movie deaths is self-implies. Self-implies, yeah. So, bro, this one's, yeah. So this is my shock value pick. Fair enough. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it. I don't... (laughs) I don't think that that makes it iconic. I would argue that it's not it's not a great way to round out your picks, but I mean it definitely makes certain- it's iconic in the, in the way that shock value picks are. We're in the way that it's a shocking death. Okay. Like I mean, I don't I don't disagree like, that it yeah, it, it gets some shock, but here's the thing is shock wears off yeah it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't stay it doesn't stick it is a plot twist though sure Um, anyway but you know they as as we know from empire strikes back you know your plot twists eventually become tropes you know so i'm i'm okay with it i mean i'm not challenging it you know or anything like that um but I don't know. I don't. I don't see it as particularly iconic, but definitely shocking, which you you've argued that it was. So I'm gonna let it go. 
No, no, I'm stuck. But I guess I've, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the better love story. It's all, it's all, always a better love story than Twilight. Ellie in Pixar's Up. This is, <laughs> yeah, you're making the sad face. This is basically a short, silent film before the full-on movie. And, like, I remember watching this first time. And, like, I looked around and there were, like, tears everywhere. This is, it's, you know, this story of a childhood friendship turned romance to old age and then death and it's not it's i can't i still i can't watch the opening of this film uh without you know welling up and like it's it's designed you know properly to 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 jerk your tears and it works it's it's so it's happy and sad and we understand that there's a real love going on here and but we all fear it you know it's like how many times you know do you want I don't know. You, you have this, con- you can have this conversation with your, your spouse or your partner um, about who, who should go first, because how can, who's, who's more equipped to handle the death of the other one. We got, we notebooking it over here. Right. Um, oh, that was a good one too. Actually. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I cried on that one. Like I, I liked the notebook. I watched it once but you know it's like it's one of those movies like i watch and i don't need to watch it again but i remember it very well because i was captivated through it but i don't want to watch all the other ones because it's like okay i don't need this but with ellie and up i just think that it it sets the characters so well um and it really kind of sets the now I'm forgetting his name, the the old man's character. Um, um, Poop yeah, McGee. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's it. But anyway, it really kind of sets up why he's he's so sad and what what's missing in his life. And we saw right. that. Um, but we fear that whether you've been, you know, never married or married for three years or married for 40 50 carl frederickson there you go played by ed asner i love ed asner anyway he passed away recently didn't he no he's still alive no he's he's just he's just old old as dirt (laughs) (laughs) some magnificent eyebrows though oh man he's got my he's got like eyebrows like pawpaw you know like caterpillars yeah like, like these bad boys are going to turn into i have to i have to keep mine in check um yeah the but yeah so ellie in pixar's up is going to be my fifth and final pick so my shock value you had a problem with but super sad you don't have a problem with i think it's super yeah 
no it's not just about super sad like i'm messing with you dude i'm messing oh with you. okay <laughs> it's about being relatable like i can't relate to somebody's brains being blown out like we're but like i said we're we're left with like mufasa where this happens early in the movie and we're left with the aftermath yeah we're left with our emotions which i mean pixar is the master of doing this right they 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 tug on emotional strings but they also uplift us too throughout Mm -hmm. the films that that's one reason they're rewatchable um like it's it's just really well, well crafted. It doesn't do it in such a brutal way. So, all right, yeah. you ready for some bench warmers? Yeah, let's, or, shoot let's recap. Let's recap oh, yeah, first. Let's do that. All right, let's... me, Ian, I A N. That's me. My number one is <laughs> Boromir. Jack. My number. <laughs> 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 this is laughing at you. Uh, my number two is Logan. I'm sorry. My number one is Boromir from Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. My number two is Logan from Logan. My number three is Iron Man slash Tony Stark from Avengers Endgame. My number four is Superman from Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And my number five pick is Billy Costigan Jr. from The Departed. And I, James, my number one is Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God in The Passion of the Christ. Number two, William Wallace in Braveheart. Number three, Tony Stark. No, I mean, um, number three, Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. Number four, Mufasa in The Lion King. And number five, Ellie in Pixar's Up. Now, I told y'all at the beginning of this podcast that it was probably going to be a jack fest, and I was right. And we've still left a lot on the table. So let's see what some of us thought we were leaving on the table with some bench warmers. You go first since I jacked you more times. All right, I'm going to take three, but I'm going to take my first one, which I don't think should make the list because I don't think it's necessarily iconic, but it affected me most as a child. So it's Thomas J. That is Macaulay Culkin's character from my girl. My girl. Yeah. So the bees. I know his glasses. He can't see without his glasses. You're such a jerk. I know know, that's emotional scene. I cry every time. It's why I can't watch the movie. (laughs) I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. But I think I think this is the first movie that as a child I cried watching. So or that that the first movie that I cried watching, period. Um, I saw it before The Lion King, obviously, it came out four years before. So I was probably five. I think I was five when it came out. Yeah, five. And um yeah, I, I called. I actually called mom to ask her if she had any insight for when I like first watched the film because I don't really remember it very well. But I remembered this film. Um, but she reminded me that the the actress um, now uh, Shlomsky, uh, I can't yeah. remember the first name, Anna a- Shlomsky. A- I think it is Anna. I was going to say Anna, yeah. but it ch- jumped. Yeah. yeah. Well, she she looks like our cousin. Tiffany. Oh, she does, yeah. So, like, and still does, honestly. She's like five years older than her, but like, so 
that made that was like a relatable point and you know it's the first film that i watched where like a child died and even with like mufasa dying as it's a parent dying so you have like a different relationship with the the whole thing as a parent as as a kid rather the with this it's the child dying and you are faced if you watch this as a child you're faced with death of yourself or of a peer and that's really really challenging um so for me the boy i probably identified more with the boy and feeling kind of in love with the girl and going like oh you know it's like blah well i'm identifying with this this macaulay culkin character and oh he dies like that's scary i can die you don't think about that as a kid and this movie kind of puts that there so anyway that's my that's my first bench warmer my first bench warmer is bing bong bing bong bing bong the imaginary friend from inside out uh bruh what a what a tearjerker man like pixar again just knows how to tug on your on your heart your your tear ducts all the above they just yank tears right out of you but um that moment i remember it happening in the theater and i'm i'm already crying throughout the whole damn movie but the moment where he like they launch off to get out of the whatever the underworld basically is what it is mm-hmm. and he kind of jettisons himself so that he won't weigh her down and mm-hmm. it, he's like uh i forget what he says he says like i don't know but they're they're singing a song like bing bong bing bong i don't know but anyway yeah su- super super emotional when you see that fair enough all right so my second and last bench warmer pick i thought you were doing two i did too i, I thought you were doing three nah Okay, my the, I'm going to do one real quick and then I'm just going to go into the other one. I was going to do Hans Gruber and Die Hard because it's just like, you know, it's, it's classic, right? And I love I love Alan Rickman. Holy crap. We didn't think to take any of the Harry Potter ones. I mean, they're on my short on my short list, aka I really should have. That's 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 an oversight on my part. Sorry Potterheads. That was my bad. But I'm still going to take uh, my funny one in um, Greedo in Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because Han shoots only. In the original, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 it. All right. <laughs> no, really. I, almost... I can't believe like I, I was ready to take Han's group and not Severus Snape or Dumbledore whatever serious black well that was kind of messed like the aftermath is more important with serious black like i'm just saying that's another huge potter death yeah harry potter dies right Mm. i literally had this conversation with with uh the wife right before and uh (laughs) and she was like but does he die though like it's kind of ambiguous you know he could like decide to go on, you know, but he doesn't like, it's hard to say, but I was trying to stick with 
people who stayed dead. So, but I feel bad for skipping the Harry Potter stuff. That's not like me. Should I, I like my it? I like my I like my top five choices though. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with John Coffee. It's like coffee, but spelled different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that unlike was a lot of them on my list. I mean, you're like emotionally attached to these characters, but this one it it sits different. It hits different mm-hmm. because it's just so wrong what happens to him. Yeah, it's unjust. It's unjust. That's that's uh, an innocent man being, and we we watch much as uh, Tom Hanks' character has to watch someone who he's come to know as a good man, mm-hmm. someone with these extraordinary powers, just have to be executed because of the letter of the law. You know, there's no, and we know that. He's innocent. He did not kill these these kids, these little girls, or whatever. Um, and uh, just after watching this movie, you're definitely not okay. Like right. that's why it's that's why that's why I think it's so iconic is that it, you're definitely not okay um, once the movie's over and you're just sitting there like, damn it. Like, yes, mm-hmm. this is kind of fantastical because it's Stephen King and he has these extraordinary powers, but. Nothing People. about the situation though is that terribly fantastical. Like, no, he, that's that he take he he takes something that does happen. People are unjustly imprisoned for things they didn't do, mm-hmm. uh, whether we know about it or not. Um, but uh, well, not just that, but also the the racial prejudice element too. That too. So you're just like, shit. Um, Sorry, I I went the entire podcast without cursing. No, you already cursed once. I said damn. I said damn. No, you, you already. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm a teacher. I pick up on these things. Okay, sorry, <laughs> but yeah, you're definitely not okay with this uh, this death. Uh, mm-hmm. Like like um, uh, like Pepper Pot says, like we'll be okay once Iron Man dies. Like right when John Coffey dies, we ain't okay. Okay, we're not okay. No, and that's what why, happens to him, no, and, that's and that's why that makes it such such an iconic and powerful death. I agree, and that's one reason that I cannot watch this film very often because it's like I feel that way. It's like wow, this is a great movie. I can't really subject myself to this because, like, I've watched films like that, and you know, it messes me up for days afterward because i dwell on these things mm-hmm. so i just i you know i see it once and i go wow that was powerful wow that was good i'm going to carry this around with me for a very long time and i don't need to watch it again yeah so my next one in line was sever snape oh not yeah. so much just his death but i he through his his death, the tears that happen, and you get all this exposition through his memories. I would have taken Dumbledore instead. Dumbledore, Dumbledore. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, as we far can as do. Comment, we could do Harry Potter moments. <laughs> yeah, we should. All right. Anything else you want to add? Yeah. Not to movie deaths, but just what we have coming in the future. Ah, yes. That. So next episode, we're going to do a surprise draft. Uh, we're each going to pick two categories, and then we're going to roll a D4 and just blind, basically blind draft these uh, 
these things. I he doesn't know my two, and I don't know his two. So yeah, no prep, and I'm gonna suck. Uh, me too. I'm gonna be like, my face is gonna be the color of his shirt, um, and it's gonna be great. Yeah. And then after that, we're gonna have our first new series. It's gonna be called Cine Sibling Rivalry. Is where I t- one of us is gonna choose a film that we like. The other one doesn't, and we're going to get a partner in to help us change the other guy's mind a little bit. Yeah, okay. this is this is basically the only reason I ever agreed to do the podcast to begin with because of our disagreements, and I thought that they would be so good on a podcast to hear us argue and yell at each other. I'm going <laughs> to try to keep lot. it as civil as possible. <laughs> You're not going to call me a little shit? <laughs> no, uh, maybe, probably. <laughs> but so our first one is going to, we're going to dive into Man of Steel, Batman v Superman. Obviously, one movies that I adore. And I don't care about at all. He doesn't care. Uh, I'm going to have our friend Stan back on to help me because he likes the movies. He said Man of Steel is the best comic book movie out there. So Ooh, he's going to have a hard task to make me get anywhere near that. So, and then, uh, then down the line, we're going to tackle The Last Jedi in the sequel trilogy. And I'm going to try to convince Ian that they suck. Right. He's going to have a partner, uh, Josh, who's been on the podcast before. Twice. He's gonna, yeah. He's going to uh, jump in because he hates. <laughs> he hates, he hates, so, he he hates, hates the Last Jedi. He likes the others just fine, but I hate them all. See, I'm. I'm not. I like the last Jedi. I think it's the best out of the sequel trilogy. But I think, <laughs> oh, gosh. All I right. Think, so we'll save it. We'll save it. Save it. We'll save it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's what's coming down the line for us. All right. Well, I think Ian, it's time to sign off because you're going to give too much away. Ah. Okay. Signing off. Uh. This has been the Cine Siblings Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like us on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit subscribe. Hit the bell for notifications. And you can find us on social media. All the social medias. We tweet stuff sometimes. Word. I'm Ian. I'm James. And go watch a new movie. Or enjoy an old one. Peace out, guys. Thanks for listening to the Cine Siblings Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cine Siblings Pod.